ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show. It's already really hot outside. Really hot. I mean, I get up before the sun comes up. I'm walking outside, walking the dog. It's 530, and I'm like, it's 90 degrees out here. Stay safe. Stay cool if you can. Hope everybody's having a great summer. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. It is a... uh, Give me all you got Friday. We're talking CWS, Ole Miss and Oklahoma. Here we go. We are going to dig into the NBA draft quite a bit. Dyson Daniels going to the Pelicans. Looks like we might have an idea of how long Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended. We will chop it up about that. A lot to get into, so give me all you got. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Gus Cattengill scheduled to join me uh, live at about 7.15. Let's start with the diamond. Because we're going to be talking a, a good bit of the draft with Gus and Pelicans. A little bit about Camara and that uh, potential suspension there. The Men's College World Series Finals matchup is set. Ole Miss... After a narrow defeat on Wednesday, bounce back, throw their race. Of course, they could have saved them for tomorrow's game against Oklahoma had they not blown it Wednesday, but you throw your race. It's win or go home. It's Omaha. You do everything you can. You give me all you got. Rebels going to face the Sooners in a best-of-three title bout that will begin tomorrow night at 6. But back on May the 6th, Ole Miss was 7-14 and in the SEC. They were the most disappointing team in all of college baseball. They were mocked. Tim Elko, a, 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 the captain of the team, a Mississippi folk hero at this point, said back in January, if we get to Omaha, we're going to be the national champs. And then when they started struggling, everybody mocked them for it. And then they got in, maybe the last team in, and he doubled down. He said, we're doing it. Not there yet. Still has two wins to get there. I did pick Oklahoma to win it all, so I hope Elko's wrong, but holy cow. And at least the last two nights between Ole Miss and Arkansas, we got some good drama because let's be honest, the first 11 games of the CWS were... I mean, they were great. If if you were watching a 1 o'clock game, it was great nap material. If you're watching a nighttime game, it was great to help you go to sleep. With respect to those teams, they just, if you didn't have a dog in the hunt, I'm, I'm looking for drama. I got none of it. 
just a lot of routes. And then these two games between Ole Miss and Arkansas were just, you just cut the tension with a knife from start to finish. Dylan DeLucia, he was, I mean, the, the ace for Ole Miss, it was, it, was, it was all him. I shouldn't say it was all him. He was the guy. It was mostly him. You could say it was all on him. He was incredible. Complete game, seven strikeouts. He gave up four hits. In that environment, first SEC pitcher to throw a shutout in the College World Series since Brett Laxton did it for LSU back in the 1993 championship game against Wichita State. We're going back 29 years. It was quite a moment. It was quite a performance. And, you know, he found his groove. In Arkansas, who went and drank about 10,000 jello shots at a bar in Omaha over the last week, they almost got there. Fans are having fun, but that's it. But the fact that Ole Miss went from number one to 7-14 and 14 in the SEC. Then got bounced in the SEC tourney after only a single game. And everybody's like, I, I don't I don't even think they're going to get in. Like there were some in the Ole Miss athletic department that have admitted, I didn't even tune into the, the, the broadcast. I just assumed that we weren't getting into the field. But they squeezed in. Sometimes all you need is an opportunity. Well, after blowing a lot throughout the season, they have an 8-1 and one postseason record. None of it's been at home in Oxford. They've had to travel. And now they're playing for the first national championship title in baseball in the history of the program. They're in the final for the, last, for the first time ever. And then you got DeLucha, a cat. He wasn't even in the rotation the first half of the season. Shout out Coach Mike Bianco and, and the Rebels for what they've been able to do. But I was trying to think of a comparison of a team in sports that went from huge expectations to most disappointing team in their sport to national championship, whether they win it or they're the runner-up, but getting to a championship game. Hey, yeah, they got to the College World Series, but now they're in the final of it. Now they are in the best two out of three or best of three, rather, with an Oklahoma team that is just, to say they've handled their business in Omaha would be an understatement. I mean, Boomer Sooner, they just they, they were trucking people. They hadn't lost yet, and now they're sitting there. They're well-rested. And my pick twin at all, it's a good chance to do it, but Ole Miss is working with just something else, man. We're going to talk to Brad Topham in the 8 o'clock hour. He was talking last week about teams he thought could win it all. I picked OU. He he mentioned Ole Miss as a team he thought would be really happy to be there. Maybe they couldn't make a run. Here they are. I know Brad's been watching. I'll be honest. I I I watched Ole Miss and Arkansas a good bit, but the games that just turned into Snorefest, I wasn't sitting through all that. Brad being the baseball guy that he is, he watched a lot of those. A lot. We'll get his thoughts on the OU. Ole Miss matchup. We'll talk a little Major League Baseball, among other things. 
to remind you guys how much I'm not in on hockey because not that I have it, I, I respect hockey players. I respect the sport. I just I don't really know it well. I don't watch it much. I mean, whenever Colorado won in overtime the other night, I actually watched it and came on the next morning, talked about it briefly. I didn't even stay up to catch all the controversy afterwards. I kind of caught wind of it. You're like, wait, what? There was something? Oh, too many men on the ice, and they didn't call it? Eesh. Then I started seeing articles pop up all over the place of, well, some of the worst officiating gaffes in history, and Yahoo wrote one and didn't include something that happened at the Superdome in January of 2019 that I witnessed. So I was like, okay, I'm done. Cry me a river. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, they've been some bad ones. Roy Jones Jr. was robbed of a gold medal at the 88 Summer Olympics despite outpunching his opponent 86-32. to 32. It was stolen from him. Bribery. It was, it was bad all the way around. Don Dinkinker's blown call. Back in 1985, Game 6, Cardinals, Royals. The fifth down for Colorado. Miami and Ohio State. Remember that national championship game? Remember that phantom pass interference call that extended the game? And then Craig Krenzel and Chris Gamble. Ends up winning it for the Buckeyes. Yeah. Maurice Claret. Nah. The Soviets getting three chances to beat U.S. basketball over and over and over. The entire Kings-Lakers series in 2 And, of course, Bill Vinovich and the Nefarious Nine call. I mean, I could go on and on. Stanley Cup. If Tampa Bay evens the series, it feels very different at 2-2. Two to two. I get it. I get it. Colorado's been like I'm, I'm gonna sit here. I'm about to start talking like I like I know what's happening. Colorado's just been really outplaying them. I just looked at the score, saw game two, seven nothing, and a Stanley Cup final. And I was like, well, good luck, Tampa. But no, I can't. No, I won't try to break down hockey for you. I'll just say, if you're a Lightning fan, you have every right to be ticked off, and you should be. And you should be. But it ain't over yet. We'll take a timeout, come back, get Gus Cagangale on the phone line, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Dyson Daniels, like his defense, don't like his shooting, like his defense a lot, I like his length. Six foot seven, pretty long and tall for a league guard. Not a crazy athlete that's, you know, flying all over the place offensively, but love his defense. Love his defense. Look, with Zion, Ingram, and McCollum leading the offensive charge, going defense, not necessarily a bad thing. You do still need some shooting. That's something you need to address in free agency. But we'll get Gus's thoughts on the selection of Dyson Daniels, some of what the Pels did in round two. It's all coming your way on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Give me all you got! On the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sport. Eat Lafayette is a year-long celebration of our local restaurants in and around Lafayette. And ESPN Lafayette is happy to be a sponsor of Eat Lafayette. Now through September 11th, you can find great Eat Lafayette deals offered by some of the participating restaurants. 
And be sure to download the Eat Lafayette digital passports. You can check in when you eat at a participating restaurant. Each check-in will enter you to win airfare and a trip for two to Charlotte, North Carolina, courtesy of Wings Travel. With Eat Lafayette, there's something for everyone's taste buds. Cajun to Asian, Mediterranean to pizza. When you choose an Eat Lafayette restaurant, just go to ESPNLafayette.com or the ESPN Lafayette app and click on the Eat Lafayette link on the What's Hot bar at the top of the page. Eat Lafayette, delivered by waiter and sponsored in part by ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Scott Show. Hey, give me all you got Friday. Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, joins me now. We'll talk a little NBA draft, little Saints, little Arch Manning. Gus from ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, host of the Sports Hangover. Good morning, man. What's going on? I am motivated, Scott. After the Pels draft week uh, we've been having, and what is it, for five, five Fridays from today, sir, you'll be asking me about the first two days of Saints training camp and uh, what I've seen and getting ready for the first padded practice tomorrow, five Fridays. Think about that. Football's on the mind. I do want to talk to you about the Saints and uh, what uh, report from Mike Florio about Alvin Kamara and uh, what that suspension may look like. But before we do that, um, real quick, I know it was news yesterday. It happened after I got off the air and before you got on. Uh, Arch Manning committing to Texas. How how much was that discussed on your show? How I know he you know he plays at Newman. I know he's in high school. I know he's a New Orleans kid. Obviously, last name Manning. It's football royalty. But like, how, how big of a deal was that in in New Orleans yesterday? I would say it was a big deal and not a big deal, if that makes any sense to you. And, and what I mean by that is we're live on location at Katie's in Mid-City. and Will that was with us for the first two and a half hours. So, you know, Will and I were talking primarily about the draft. That said, for the first 40 minutes of the first hour, Scott, it was that arch man. And we had Garland Gillen on who has had a really good relationship and has followed eventually from seventh grade on with Arch. And, man, a year and a half ago, he was like, watch maybe Texas, you know? So he's, he's kind of been on it. So we, we, I dialed him up, and I'm like, hey, no, I didn't ask him, but can you come on and talk to him about it? And listening to him and the process, and what's I think interesting to me is I was setting up and getting ready to go, and I saw it on the television um, over above the bar, and I'm like, you know, is that 
not exactly what they've done with him in his high school career. If they dropped the news on the night of the NBA draft, they did it the day before the Manning Passion Academy kicks off, got, you know, got it out of the system and uh, you know, they hear Nelson Stewart, the head coach of Newman, say he was holding the camp and his phone's blowing up. It's just four, four, four phone calls and, you know, uh, it's Cooper. He was like, yes, Newman to talk to you. And it's, it's, uh, it's Arch letting him know that he's going to commit to something. But it's just, it's just what it was. You know, you didn't have the 15 hat parade. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just that that's how well, they like chose that, to go right? about it. Yeah, you know? he, he yeah, just kind of announced his hey. decision on Twitter and didn't have the influence of a bunch of family ties and said, you know, I mean, look, it, it's it's the reality is the expectation for him is and, and it, you could say it's not fair to the kid and I would I would actually agree with that it's not because it's based on his name if he was the exact same player with the same skill set same stats same size same everything and his name was you know Carl Sanders you know Carl, Carl Sanders then it's I was going to say Prather Scott I was going to give you some there you go. credit alright there you go Carl Prather <laughs> Um, then it would just kind of like it, it, it would have been a story maybe a little bit in, in those that follow college recruiting a ton. But with the name Manning, it sort of transcends football in a lot of ways. And so you have people that are, you know, I mean, I, I have friends of my wife who they don't follow recruiting. They're like, oh, I heard about, you know, Archie Manning's grandson going to Texas because people were talking about it, right? Like people that don't even follow this stuff. So Manning, the name Manning is football royalty. And when you come from that bloodline, it's just, you know, is he going to meet his expectations at Texas or is he going to yeah. Texas and do what Texas always does, which is never meet their expectations at football? I, I think it's I think it's more likely that he doesn't, but it's not even a knock on him. I, I think it's going to be close to impossible for him to do it, which is which isn't, you know, that, that's just a tough thing for anyone. So the fact that he wasn't making a big old hoorah about it all and just wanted to, you know, announce it on social media without the influence of family right. ties. I think it's a good sign, right? I mean, it, who knows yeah. if it in the end it will mean anything at all, but at least it's a good sign as far as where his head's at. And, you know, I don't, I don't wish any, any ill will toward the kid. I, I hope he does great. I just, I, I, part of me feels bad. Like, man, you just, with that name and that sport and that position, like his brother, his younger brother is the center on the team. It's not like he has this this fanfare. But when your last name's Manning in that family and you play quarterback, it's just uh, it's it's just different. It's just different, and no one can truly understand what what it's like to be him at that age. I certainly can't. It's you know he, he had he had fans from SEC schools showing up to his high school basketball games. You know, when yeah. he's a junior and, and telling him, commit to this, commit to that. That's Imagine as a junior in high school, Gus, if people from all over the country are showing up to wherever you are to try to convince you to do something. It would, uh, I don't know, man. It could be, it could be, you need to check your head a little bit. But anyway, I, 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 I wish him well. I just want to say quickly, which I love you and I hate you, depending on what you say. It's crazy. Like, I mean, seriously, you know what I mean? As it's happening, people walking in, LSU fans, ah, uh, bleep him, you know, why can't the Manny ever go to the state? It, it, it's one of those things where it's got to be tough, and it led to a discussion that I had on the show, Scott, and I'll ask you about it, uh, even though this is your show, but, you know, it, it's crazy to, to go like that, with life, or just knowing 
and your decision or just how you feel and what's more to you like affects other people how they view you and um it, it got me thinking and i opened up actually the show with it uh, and i asked will hillary i'm like you know i don't know if we can compare the two but it's almost like and again circling it back locally design right he had two million viewers on Instagram as a high school player, but I'm talking about more at the expectation level of when he got drafted here by the Pels. Because I was yeah. talking about where the Pelicans are now, where they were three years ago. But very similarly, here's a young kid, and it was Fulton Street, right? I mean, Fulton Street was the snapshot, the, the still photo of what everyone in New Orleans expected, wanted, and felt was coming with Zion, and it wasn't just Pelicans fans, but, you know, Knicks fans, you had screaming and still fit, or he didn't go to the Knicks, and, I mean, all of that, the guy hadn't played, you know, a minute of NBA basketball, and it just, it got me thinking, like, you know, watching him in the highlights and, you know, the photo, and just the comments, I'm like, man, that, that's a lot, but it's, it's very similar to what we've covered and seen with Zion, and to hear him say back in May, May 1st, you know, to be exact, I wasn't in the right place to talk to people. And I was speaking to some people this week. They were begging Zion to, to talk during the season. And he just did not feel comfortable to do it. And a lot of it was fear. Whatever he was going to say was going to be taken this way or that way. There was no middle, right? If he said this, people were going to dissect it. And, it, and that's what I mean with this, with our commanding decision. He could have very easily imagined that photo op. You know, imagine that moment where he's at Newman in the gym and there's Hall of Famer Peyton Manning, soon to maybe be arguably Hall of Famer Eli Manning, there's Arch Manning. I mean, I think of them standing next to him while he puts on a hat of Texas. I mean, that, that, that is a photo, right? He said, it's a tweet. So I, I get it. You know, I, I get that that's what it is. But it, it was just very interesting to me that as I'm watching that unfold, I'm like, man, if that's not kind of what Zion's been through and, and the expectation level was that, right? ESPN Lafayette. Now, it's a good point, you know, and, and you might think of it different as, oh, well, Arch is in high school and the name and all this, but when you remember how young Zion, I mean, he was 18 when he was drafted. You know, that's that's so young to have that much stuff surrounding you happening all at once and for Arch, you know, his recruiting process when he gets to Texas and if he's good enough, you know, what he would do after that at the next level. It um it, it's 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 all about how he handles it. But you know, I guess the good thing that, that does come with having the name Manny and coming from that family is you got plenty of people around you that, that have experienced it and can really help you and, and give you real guidance because they understand what's happening. You know, Zion Zion didn't have anyone in his life that <clears throat> could truly relate or understand, you know, that, that knew him extremely well. I mean, you know, you hire an agency and they can help you with stuff. But, you know, in the case of Arch, at some point, I'm sure there'll be some relatability and guidance he can get, you know, from within his family if he if he wants it. Having said that, Gus, I want to shift gears to the NBA a little bit. You mentioned Zion, and I think, you know, what the Pelicans did last night in the draft was drafted a guy that that loves defense a 19 year old that wants to get after it defensively you know the aussie dyson daniels i said i want the pelicans to draft someone that could be a rotational piece for years and they're going to need that on a rookie deal and 
You know, everything I'd, I'd read about Dice and everything I'd seen about him was, I'm sure, stuff you talked about on your show, right? He's not this super athlete with this incredible explosiveness, uh, and, and he needs to work on his shot. On the other side of the ball, defensively, his IQ is farther along than it should be for a 19-year-old. And, and I'm not saying he's going to come in and be, you know, Herb Jones year one, but Herb Jones had a, more of a defensive impact of, uh, as a rookie than anybody I could even remember. And so I, I think the fact that the Pelicans kind of zeroed in on him, you've been hearing his name a lot as a guy that they really wanted. And when he fell to eighth, it really wasn't a surprise. I mean, I was fully expecting them to draft him whenever Dyson was still on the board. I, I don't I, 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 you, you could look at last year's draft and the expectation could be really high because the Pelicans knocked it out the park you could look at other drafts and be like yeah let's wait and see what happens what do you make of Dyson Daniels to the Pels and what do you like about him and what about him worries you a little bit so I'll start with an overview right and I, I kind of like, I was trying to think of how, to, how I'm going to start the show today describing how I feel about the Pelicans. And it's kind of one of those, if you can picture it, Scott, you know, the, the expression you would make where you're kind of like a little, little lip curl, a little slow head nod, kind of like, yep, mm-hmm. maybe even a little, little fist pump. That's the kind of draft I thought the Pelicans had. It's not anything I think that a lot of people outside of the league would pay attention to and notice. But what they did with their two picks, you had Liddell and then Sebron, the undrafted player. And I'm looking at it, and the first thing that popped in my head, that is, boy, that front office has learned from across the street. It's very, or not saying learned, but it's starting to really become similar, right? I mean, we spent the latter half of the Pell Chiefs and talk about DJ and just breathe like addition to this team and you see yesterday he was speaking to the rookies as the president of the players association and and actually listening to Daniel afterwards on ESPN radio after he got picked he mentioned CJ McCollum and he specifically mentioned how excited that made him that he was going to be on the team that somebody can go to and he can you know, converse with and, and learn from and all those different things. But back to the analogy or, or kind of comparison to the Saints, doesn't it seem like the Pels are going for a type? And the reason why I think so many people I cover the team kind of zero in on Daniel and really like the Liddell pick, which everyone pretty much had him projected as a late first rounder. 20 to 24, 26. I saw a tweet earlier this morning that had him at 5, 18, 16. You get him in the second round. Trajan Langdon after the draft. Steele calls him that. Same thing. You see the video today of where he was watching the draft and he is surrounded by, I don't know, did you see the hundred family members? There's a picture of, I'm assuming it looks like to be somebody to see um, in front of them. I mean, it's just, again, a family oriented kid, probably hungry willing to prove himself. And you look at Daniel, and, it, and it's almost like these types, 6'8", 6'7", 6'9", it's size, it's guys that want to play defense, it's guys that want to come in and work. And a guy like Seabron, same thing like that. Hey, go get better. You can do that because if you mention the phrase, can work on a shot, Scott, who's in their building? The shot doctor. Fred <laughs> Benson is the shot doctor. But I can't teach 
effort. I can't teach grits. I can't teach size. I can't teach one two to play defense. And boy, oh boy, when you consider what you're seeing in the snapshot of what Tracy Langdon is doing and really building, I, I just go back to his next teams before ownership decided I want to go superstar and, and go with Durant and go with Kyrie Irving. He was building a very young, kind of have to look up some names, team that was exciting, play together and play hard. And what's interesting to me, Scott, is starting the show yesterday, I was like, I used the word chillaxing. I hadn't used that in forever because that's how I felt. We had an Oklahoma City Thunder reporter. He's like, how you feeling today? I'm like, I'm gelaxing. I'm just like, um, it, it's, it's incredible to go into a draft, relax, and just chilling to see what uh, the team does because they didn't need a superstar. They needed somebody that could come in, maybe help this year, in a role off the bench, come in if you needed as starter because of injury or a night off or whatever. But if that is going to be the case, the first thing that pops in your head is defense. Defensively, if you look at the two teams that play in the final, they were two of the better teams in the NBA defensively. When the Warriors won their four games against Boston, they held them all under 100 points. So defensively, the reasons Boston went through what they did against very talented and offensive-laden teams. It absolutely looks like the Pelicans have said, we're going to get bigger, we're going to get um, more length. I mean, all these guys, 6'6", 6'7", but their wingspans are 6'10", 6'11". And, and it's a mentality, a certain mindset. It, it reminds you all too lot of what the Saints do, of trying to get a certain type of player that is going to be able to come into a certain type of system that they, they like and, and play for a coach that is going to want defense, length, and got to come in and do that. And when I look at Daniel specifically, um, I like two things in particular. A, that he apparently already has that willingness to relationship with the team. Tracy London last night said he wanted to interview again with the Pelicans. He wanted to be on this team. They told him no worry about it. We'll need to interview you once. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of many players that do that. And Scott, you know, I, I love Matherin and, and other players. They turn down interviews. They, they wouldn't come and interview with the Pelicans. Here's a kid that wanted to interview twice. Here's a kid that afterwards said when uh, he spoke to local media that he followed the team. He was excited about it. He became a fan of their playoff run. So he said he studied them. And so I look again, a willingness to want to be a part of them. Uh, I loved on ESPN radio because I just happened to be listening to it. I was at the airport picking up my uncle and you know, CJ McCollum and Trey Murphy who were on location during the draft last night, they, they were they were applauding and, and nodding and they, they knew the kid. So and you know, again if you go by what Trey said, he said the entire room erupted in applause when you know, Shade and Sharp went to, to Portland. They wanted this stuff. So, again, it goes back to trust. It goes back, back to why did they go get this player or not with the Saints? Same thing here at the Pels. I think they know what they want. They know the type of player, and they know what they can get or can use immediately. From Man, I, I love it. I look at his highlights, and that leads me to the other thing. The guy's been playing. Played in Australia, played professional basketball, and he's been playing against, as he said in the interview after he got picked, grown men. And, and, and I think you, you, can't, you can't teach that. You know, to have that experience already, not going to be too big for him. He's, he's ready to come and get going and just having that experience. So you have a guy that can come and play defense. He's got length. He's had experience. He has a willingness to want to be here. He wants to be part of the team. And 
you know, if you got current team members applauding and, and the staff and the front office really happy you got them, I, I, I'm in. Like, I, I like the pick. I think it makes a lot of sense. It's where the Pelicans are right now. Can you help out? What kind of players are they? And he's definitely one of them. If he can just, uh, you know, have some mechanical tweets to help with that jumper, you know, it seems like the other aspects of his game can can definitely be an asset. He's, it feels like a good fit, considering, you know, the Pels are looking to trade Devontae Graham. We'll see if it works. Yeah. But if they do, that opens up a lot of minutes for a, a guard like Daniels that's six foot seven that, you know, would need to um, – I don't know that it's a day one type thing where he's out there in the rotation, but you hope that by the end of the season he's he's in that rotation, he's making a difference, and he's bringing his uh, his defense. But um, yeah, it, you're, you're, in terms of the approach to the draft, it's been a I don't it's been a long time since you watched the. Pe- I mean, it's rare you have a pick in the top ten where you're just kind of you know you're not looking for a guy with maybe a ceiling that you, you know you're going to try to reach for because well if it works out it can help this much you just you're drafting for fit personality culture all of that you already have most of your foundation in place you're looking for a rotational piece and just kind of a different view and experience for sure than some of the drafts in the past of course you know during a lot of the Dell Dims era the Pelicans didn't even really have a pick so uh, they might have like the 55th pick and then they would just you know draft someone and then trade them for cash considerations so yeah you actually had a lot to kind of sink your teeth into last night and last thing um overall Gus were you I mean I, I think the magic really played it close to the vest I mean they didn't tell anybody that they were going with Banjero and he ends up being the first guy off the board everyone thought it would be Jabari Smith then it's Chet Holmgren the Rockets get Jabari Smith sitting there at third uh, many scouts top rated player, but outside of that, um, any surprises in the draft for you or not really? Cause it seemed like once that big domino fell, everything else kind of started falling into place. I would say stop with me. Um, Memphis, Memphis was busy last night, huh? Seemed like every five seconds I looked up on the TV, man, they were making a trade, they were making moves, they were doing different things. And that's a team that I think feels hungry and uh, trying to seize that opportunity. I think the other thing, I wouldn't say it's surprising, is just, you know, again, I understand some of these guys, their impact's not going to be immediate stuff. But, goodness gracious, how many Western Conference teams added some of the top players in the draft, man? I mean, I like Sochan a lot from Baylor, and he goes to San Antonio. That, that, that is a Spurs player. He's another gritty player that um, I think day one can come in and, and help rotationally and stuff. Uh, you mentioned Javar Spitz going to Houston, and that's Western Conference team. It's just, you can see so many top players in scores and potential, and, you know, it's, I mean, same thing OKC, Chet, I mean, it's they're <laughs> in all the Western Conference, man. I mean, it's kind of crazy how uh, how much talent potentially can be added to already the stacked conference of just fun players, man. Great stuff. Gus Kangel, our guest, will take a quick timeout on this Give Me All You Got Friday. And Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Thank you, Al. When we come back, talk a little Saints with Gus and get his pick for the CWS final between Ole Miss and Oklahoma. 
report out of Pro Football Talk. Sounds like the Saints may have an indication of what the penalty for Alvin Kamara could look like for the um, battery arrest in Las Vegas last February. Does that change the overall ceiling for the team this year based on some of the numbers we're hearing? We'll dig into that next. Does ESPN Lafayette? That's Ticket in Sports. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Before we uh, jump back into it with Gus, want to remind you guys about Eat Lafayette happening all summer long. Visit LafayetteTravel.com for more details on this year's specials. You can learn more over at ESPNLafayette.com, the ESPN Lafayette app as well. But if you haven't downloaded the Eat Lafayette Passport, it's free, it's easy, and all you do is check in on it when you go eat at one of the amazing participating restaurants with Eat Lafayette. Every time you check in, you enter to win airfare in a three-night getaway to Charlotte, North Carolina, courtesy of Wings Travel Management. Okay? It's not even an app you, you have to download on your phone. It's just you sign up, learn it, very easy steps, very easy to do. LafayetteTravel.com. You can learn. Well, Alvin Kamara be traveling in the early part of the football season on a vacation because of a suspension. Pro Football Talk uh, reported that there is some indication as to what Kamara's penalty from the league will be. Mike Florio, citing a league source, says that Kamara is, and I quote, bracing for a suspension of at least six weeks, end quote, uh, but right now, the, the real question is, when will it come down? Um, you know, he, he faces felony charges after the incident, and the next hearing isn't until August. Training camp starts for veterans on July 26th. Rookies report on the 19th. Gus, six games, does that sound about right? I, I, I mean, and if so... That dog, man, I mean, I talked about this on your show a few weeks ago. You take the best player off of any team for, you know, um, 
more than a, a third of the season, right. it's gonna it's gonna impact going to impact that ceiling. It's going to impact wins and losses at some point. So I saw six games and, and potentially more, and I was thinking to myself, oof, that, that, that's – let's say it starts right out the gate. I mean, you're looking at, you know, three NFC South games, a trip to London, you know, home games against Cincinnati and Seattle. I, I just – it's – I mean, he's he, – I think he's the best player on the team. And if it's six games and if it's the start of the season, it just makes things that much more difficult, man. You know what? Um, I kind of went off on a rant, and I think we talked on it a little bit on Wednesday when you came on our show, man. The Daniel Snyder, Roger Goodell thing to me is bigger than I think a lot of people have looked at or paid attention to. And when I read that report like you did about potentially, and I saw six games, I, like uh, an expletive probably popped in my head. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm the Saints. I'm absolutely fighting. I, I said on my show, for your listeners, I have no idea what I'm talking about. In 10 seconds, when you read and hear what that committee found it to be with what Daniel Snyder was doing, that environment in the NFL basically didn't do a darn thing. And you start adding, you know, the Saints getting a draft pick taken away and fined for dancing in their locker room because they didn't have COVID masks on. And Steelers didn't. And you start adding things together and the bounty gate thing. And it just, it reeks of either favoritism or certain franchises and certain things get treated a certain way. And I was just going off on, Wednesday's like, you know what? I want my draft picks back from the Bounty Gate team because you've given me reasonable doubt that, you know, that whole Bounty thing. And again, pretty much every Saints fan will feel it was a sham. Sean Payton to this day says that that was a sham and it were made to be given a lesson to or whatever because, again, at the time it was about concussions and the lawsuit and all that. And they, they used the Saints. They just did. And I'm just sitting here going again back to the case. And maybe I'll feel differently if I see the video, Scott. Maybe I feel differently if I know the whole story and all. But at the time that it happened and I looked at it, you know, I, six games, six games. I mean, and, you know, again, a guy follows you into an elevator with your lady and tries to force his way in. And I'm getting six games for making sure that I protect myself, I guess I look at. And look, I mean, you know, if he's that's, laying on the ground. Yeah, I mean, that's we don't really know, I, Gus. I mean, the report said that, that he was held down by others I, and he beat exactly. him. I mean, I, you know. I well, but, but I, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I guess I look at it like this, dude. It, it's to the point that you're saying, though. Uh, the impact financially, win total-wise, I'm, I'm like that. You know, these, these games that you suspend these players or, or you know, keep them from playing, it has a drastic impact. I mean, it could affect, like you're saying, a season on whether or not a team gets to go to the Super Bowl. And look, and I understand what you're trying to do is to say, hey, your behavior in the offseason matters. And, you know, if you have an issue, you do that. But, man, um, you're putting an awful emphasis on I can control everything in life kind of thing. And I'm not saying that certain things should be excused or not. But, again, I just was going through my head instances of, you know, drugs or performance enhancing is less than this. And, and I, again, I understand the charge and one's a violent one, but, you know, you had stuff like with Harding and things where it involved, 
you know, domestic violence and everything that wasn't nearly six games and stuff. And, and look, all I'm saying is this. If he gets six games for that, then Deshaun Watson, I mean, and I get the NFL's trying to, quote, look for a, you know, certain type of suspension that could be a year or something of that nature. But my goodness, I, six games to me, to me, seems like an awful lot. That's just me. That's just me. I mean, David Onyemata used PEDs or something. That's six games. And Kamara gets six for this. I, I don't know. I. Six I games that, that, that will, I mean, it's it just, you, you take, I, I look, if the best player on your team is your quarterback, it's a little different when they're they're gone for a stretch, okay? But if, it, let, let's say, let's take quarterback out of the equation. Like, how, how much does not having Alvin Kamara for six games, like he's the kind of player that moves the line, you know what I mean? Like I remember, like JJ Watt, great defensive player, but you know he'd miss time and in you know betting prognosticators, it might move the line a half point, one point maybe. Like no disrespect to JJ Watt, I mean again, multi-time defensive player of the year, but but Kamara for not being a quarterback seems like a guy that's potentially a line mover, especially when you consider. Look, I love Mark Ingram, you know that, but at this point in his career. To expect him to be an every down back and carry right. the load and all that stuff—that's just—I don't—I don't think that's a realistic ask, and I don't know that that's fair to him. Tony Jones Jr. was exceptionally disappointing last year. All this hype in the preseason—he was not good in the regular season. Um, you, you really have not addressed that position, knowing that he's likely going to miss time. I, I, I just—I know we look. I talk about tight end and and some you know, uh, questions about that position. But if you take Kamara out of the mix, I think running back goes to the top of most vulnerable, right? Least amount of depth by far because you you got Ingram who's good, but at this point in his career, I mean, he played that position. He's a bruising type of player at his height, and he's been in the league for over a decade. Like, he's not at that point in his career where it's like, you know, let's just get him to do everything and leave him out there and do it all. He can't. So I... I I think this is potentially, if it's six games, I, that that's major for the Saints. I don't want to downplay it. As, oh, they'll be fine. No, they're going to miss him vitally no, if he misses loss, six. Man. Yeah, it's, it's an absolute big loss. I mean, it, it is. And like I said, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> you already have Saints fans that really like Roger Goodell in the NFL. So, you know, I like I said to me, it's just whatever, man. I. I I don't care for it, but, you know, and, and that's the thing. You have the mercy, you know, I mean, even if you're appealing. I mean, I, at this point, I you hope you can go down at least four games. I don't know. I, you know, look, again, wait to see what happens. Maybe people feel differently when it's different. I don't know. I know it's just, it's, it's tough, you know, when you look at um, the impact that that may have. Because, like I said, it's, if you're affecting, you know, a team, you're affecting all of that. And, and I, I, mean, I guess I get it. It's the, well, you know, Behave yourself or something. I don't know. I, I don't know what what they're trying to do, man. All right, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Before I let you run, my friend, uh, College World Series last week uh, before it got underway, my pick was Oklahoma to win it all. They will face Ole Miss in the final. I can't think of any sports comp for Ole Miss, a team that went from tons of hype to most disappointing in a sport now on the verge of winning a championship all within the same season. It's just nuts. Uh, who do you like in this matchup, and 
you know, finally, we finally got two decent games with Ole Miss and Arkansas because everything prior to that was kind of a snore fest. 11 games of just, you know, drama free baseball, which isn't exactly enticing me to check it out. Uh, what do you make of OU and Ole Miss and, and who you got? I, what I make out of it is it's nuts to think of the the run, right? I mean, you go back to that April weekend series in Baton Rouge, and I mean, their head coach Scott. I mean, it was it was like just being widely talked about, you know, much less reported that they were going to um, they were going to part ways. I mean, they essentially were having an open coaching search, you know, <laughs> essentially as potential candidates and things, which is incredible to me because you remember the year before that uh he was considered one of the top candidates and you know and uh, for the lsu job so to go from hey you know lsu fans hey maybe we're like we'd like to have him as our head coach to being fired because almost didn't meet expectation levels i guess i can see why though maybe people in the program thought that this could be a team that could do what they're doing and that's why there was so much heat and they were ready to part ways um but Bianca, I mean, it's it's crazy to to see that though. But Scott, in April, I'm telling you, they're, they're going to part ways. I mean, they were planning to do that, and then they have the run. They they sweep LSU. They do what they do in the SEC tournament. They make it to Omaha, and, and now they're they're they, they're two wins away from a national championship. It's it's incredible. But watching some of these games, man, they, they've been fun to see. And look, at this point, if you're Ole Miss, why not? Uh, but Oklahoma looks like a really good team, right? And it's crazy. When you look at the CWS as it is, but the future SEC schools, Texas and Oklahoma, to go with the other SEC schools, and um, I guess maybe it's a sign of things to come here. But I, I don't know. I guess if I had to make a pick, dude, I, I, I it's almost like a Cinderella story per se. But you know, maybe Ole Miss. There you go. It, it's I, I like Mike Bianco a lot. Uh, I just like how he handles himself. Um, yeah. Very classy, and you know, does things the right way, and took all kinds of heat. I mean, there were there were some individuals that admitted in Ole Miss Athletics that they didn't even watch the selection show. They didn't even think they'd be in after they got, you know, one and done in the SEC tournament. <laughs> and now here they are. You know, I mean, if they don't get in, it's it's the everything's different. They fire the coach. It's, man, what a waste. You probably have a ton of transfers, and it's just like most disappointing team in college baseball. They get in, and now they're on the verge of winning it all. And even if they don't, it's it's going to be remembered as just an extremely successful season. So, man, I, you know, to say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Sometimes it's not even how you start and then perform most of the time and the majority of the time. Just They feel like the kid that, like, was super smart, and he or she just decided not to show up to, like, some classes you know, and then they would just study for the test the night before, and then they just suddenly ace it. And it's like, golly, like that's Ole Miss baseball this year, right? It, it is. It, it absolutely is. That's what I'm saying. It's just it's crazy because I guess, like I said, you can you can see maybe why they were so dis- disappointed. But like, like you're saying, man, they literally didn't think they'd even make the tournament and here they are playing. But it just goes to show you, man, it, it's – I guess it shouldn't be that surprising from this aspect. Isn't that what baseball is, though, Scott? I mean, you're a huge baseball fan. You follow your Mets, and, I mean, you see it every year in the postseason, right? We've seen teams go to the World Series or, you know, win the World Series based off of getting hot at the right time. I mean, that is like the phrase in baseball, isn't it? That, you know, you don't want to play this team because they're dangerous. I remember my Cubs that year lost to the Dodgers 
and, and they were a team that got in um, that were just hot at the right time of the year. So I think when you look at all those different things, uh, I guess it's why I feel like, hey, I could see them making that run and, and doing what, what they're going to do. It's, it's crazy. But, yeah, I, like I said, I can't think of a, of a turnaround of, that that's that different to me than, um, than what we're seeing with Ole Miss right now. All right, Gus Kangel has been our guest. Check him out over on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven. That's G-K-A-T-T underscore one seven. Host of the Sports Hangover, ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, noon to three. Gus, I appreciate the time, man, talking NBA draft, CWS, Saints, and uh, all that good stuff. Have a great weekend, and um, let's chat again next week, my friend. You too, man. Always a pleasure. And you got me hungry thinking of all the, the Eat Lafayette spot that you were talking about. <laughs> now, now I need to go get some breakfast. <laughs> Eat local and enjoy the hell out of it, my friend. Hey, shout out Dyson Daniels. He's like, I'm a big seafood guy. I heard they got a lot of it down there. I can't there wait. I can't wait to there sample all the cuisine. So I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, man. Have a great one. Sounds good, man. Take care. That is Gus. Have a great one. Sounds good, man. Take care. That is Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent we'll take a quick time out come back brad topham former baseball player for ul color analyst we'll talk a little mlb and a good bit about this ou oklahoma matchup who does he like now that it is down to two find out next right here on the great scott show give me all you got friday give me all you got, give me all you got. on esp and lafayette the best ticket in ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Show. I want to give you all you got Friday. College baseball takes center stage this weekend in the sports world along with hockey, although, you know, one more win from the Avalanche and that is over. Will we get to a de- decisive game three or will we crown a champion this weekend? Is it going to go three games? Who's going to win it? Here to talk about that and more is our good friend Brad Topham, color analyst for Louisiana Rage Cajun Baseball, and uh, he is on with us this morning. What's up, Brad? Good morning, dude. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. You know, are, are the are the Avalanche gonna gonna clinch on home ice, or uh, or is this thing gonna end tonight? I mean, is this thing gonna continue after tonight? You talking about figure skating? Uh, no, that'd be the NHL. Oh, I didn't even know that was going on. <laughs> Hi. Sorry, bro. Hey, hey no, I'll, give this, I'll bal- give this to hockey. Have my, look, I don't have the balance to put my fat butt up on two thin pieces of metal, so I just never got into it. Holy cow, man. I, I try, you know, they got the skating rink in Lafayette. Mike took my kids to a birthday party there a few, I don't know, a month or two ago, and 
Oh man, was that not easy on my um, my ankles? You know, my knees hitting. Did the you ice. fall? That's the question. Did you fall on your butt? I I some I somehow didn't, but I did I did need at some point. You know, I was trying to be out there helping my kids, but at some point I had to take one of those walkers. They're like shaped like walkers Dude. that you like. I, but I, I I got off of it here and there, and like I went around the rink once, but I was like I was just too wobbly, man. I was like this is. You know, I was wobbling around like Jello on like one of those fancy pieces that they, you know, stuff that no one actually eats off of. You know, those standing things that you put like a cake on mm-hmm. in every commercial. They put Jello on those. As if anyone <laughs> yeah. eats Jello off of one of those. Like, give me a break. But like that, if you just like bumped into a table and look, that's what I look like on ice. Well, I, I, that's still better than me. All I know is last time it froze over outside the restaurant. I was trying to de-ice the sidewalk, and I slipped. I didn't know how to walk on ice. Dude, I fell flat on my butt. I- I've been hit by 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. That did not hurt as long as my butt hurt from falling on it. That was insane. So, no, ice is not for me. All right. I- I- I'll give this to the NHL, man. Um, the the way they celebrate it, like if-, if Colorado wins tonight, the way they celebrate the Stanley Cup Captain gets it first, the pageantry of it. And the Stanley Cup is just the, it's the coolest trophy in sports. I don't care what anyone says. Sure. Like I, whenever It's not like I'm watching hockey a bunch or much at all. But when you get to the Stanley Cup finals, I tune in a little bit. And when a team is about to clinch or win it all, I make sure I turn on the TV. Just because I, I want to see the ceremony and just kind of soak it all up. Yeah, absolutely. College baseball. That's why we have you on. Because, uh, you know, no one wants to hear you and I talking about falling on our butt on the ice anymore. No. Ole Miss. I mean, you, you felt like they might have just been happy to get there. You weren't sure what to expect, but this ride continues for them. I've never seen anything like it, man. The, the, Ole Miss's, you know, trajectory this season from going to the top of the mountain to literally falling off of it and then climbing back up to – they're right there. They're almost. They're almost at at the the precipice of it. If they can win two or three against Oklahoma, I mean, what, what has stood out to you about this Rebels run? Well, you're seeing the parts that were expected to be what they were preseason. You know, former number one team in the country. Um, it, really, for me, it, it's a credit to Mike Bianca, who's a class guy. Yeah. As far as I know, I don't know anything bad about Mike. I, I, I met him back when he was um, looking to actually take the job at UL. Um, Mike's a good dude. And, you know, I, I tell you this. Let me put it this way. I've judged Mike Bianca a lot on his kids because all of his kids have been recruited pretty heavily. None of his kids have turned out to be good college baseball players at this point. But you've never heard a bad thing about any of his kids. Like you never hear about, and I, I know some inside stuff. You never hear about discontent. You never hear about anything. And to me, you can put a pretty tight parallel on the type of coach you're going to be the way you raise your kids um, as far as class and all that. So all I know is they're playing good. And the, the one thing they have for sure that each team shares in common is they have that dude. And, and what I mean is they have a leader who's been through the smoke, who varying reasons, different things, but he's their guy. He is absolutely their guy. And Arkansas has battles, and Tim Elko, the dude played all year on a blown ACL last year. 
just brace it up, couldn't run. But still hit like 20 bombs. He's, he's a Mississippi so folk to, hero. I mean, that's what Elko yeah, is. He's he is. like just and, and confident as can be, and yet like, I don't know. He's not – he's there, – there's a there's I'm trying to think of of a comparison like he's so beloved there and has all the confidence in the world but like somehow it doesn't come off as like over the top arrogant either he's just I don't know right. I don't know how to describe it it's like he's able to walk that line just the right way it's the stash it's got to be there it's the go. stash the dude's got a glorious just thick stash. And I'm not a mustache person at all, probably because I, I stink at trying to grow one. Why do you hate pretzels? The dude, the, the dude just got a glorious stash, and it actually looks good on him. And you know, you just you're like, well, he's that dude, right? He, he really is. And, and look, there comes a point in sports where a hot team rises. Look, Fresno State was a four seed and won it all. That's the miracle. Um, I still remember you talked about Ole Miss previously administrators and people. We didn't even watch the selection show because they feared they weren't going to be on it. Virginia Commonwealth one year had turned in their uniforms. Yeah. They had dudes already at the beach. The coach had to call them back. You made, we made the tournament, and they went to the Super Regionals. So, you know, it, it does happen. Um, Ole Miss is just playing really good baseball. And, by the way, you got to look at the second baseman. I don't know how much you've watched it, but the se- second baseman's Name is Chapinier. If you look at it, it's Chitania. It's one of the craziest things I've seen. It is straight up Chitania, but it's spelled, they pronounce it Chapinier. So you know, kind of got to pay attention to him. All right, let's 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 get into the other side of it. Oklahoma, uh, my pick when the CWS started to win it all. They, you know, I, I'm not going to say they haven't really been challenged yet. I mean, they've had some games here or there, but. They haven't been in a situation yet in Omaha where it's like backs against the wall, do it all. And and, and that's a testament to them. I mean, they kind of rolled in here just as hot as can be, and they haven't cooled off yet. And, yes, Ole Miss and, and, and what DeLucha did, incredible performance from him on the mound. But Ole Miss had to use their top guy, you know, to get to this position. How – I mean – what what chances do you give Ole Miss, and do you are you like me? Do you feel like Oklahoma is going to win it all, or do you just feel like man, Ole Miss? They just there's something happening now that that just you can't quite put a finger on it, but it's all working, and they're just gonna they're gonna top it off by winning it. Well, for me, this is this series is almost like a Louisiana Tech being in the finals. You want to pull for them, but you can't kind of thing, or you you should. I got OU at eight to one before the World Series. Now they're going off at minus one fifteen, but I got them at eight to one. So you know where the money's at. I'm going for OU. You know, but if Ole Miss, but it's hard to pull against Bianca and what they've done. And again, you know, you were talking about it. You know, Elko got made fun of and all this other stuff, and they said we get there, we're going to do it. And there's something to be said about leadership and putting something out there and risking things and not worrying about being made fun of. And they get there, and they're hot. You know, they're just they're just hot. And I don't. For me, honestly, I'm saying OU. But how can you doubt what you just saw with Ole Miss? I, I, I don't know. So it's kind of one of those things. Like if I had to put money today, Scott, I would avoid the bet. That's the best way I can put it to you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet right now. I just wouldn't. Um, 
because how can you ignore what you saw? Now, I'll give the NCAA this. They, they changed the format. I'm so much happier. You know, you used to be able to ride this thing out with two good starting pitchers and two relievers because the way it was spaced out. You can't do that anymore. You have an off day today. They crank it up tomorrow. You know, there's a little stress in the pitching. Um, I, 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 let me deviate for a second here. You've been talking about the tournament being a snooze fest. I think one of the big reasons these games have been like this is the way pitching is used. And what I mean is, you know, in a regular season game, you give up four runs in the first inning, you know, they might, it might end up being eight, but you get a little bit more length. I mean, you're the number one, you're the number two, they let you go a little longer, you know. Um, the idea of, hey, this is our best reliever, you know, we got to wait to this point to get to him. Well, all of a sudden you're in the playoffs, you say, well, let's start him and see how much we can get. Those things are different for guys, you know what I mean? And that's the, way, that's the reason I think some of these games have gone bad is just some of the pitching hasn't pitched like it's an out to get. They're pitching like, okay, I'm this, or coaches are pulling guys sooner than they would. I mean, we've seen plenty of times where guys will go four in the first and then put up five zeros. You know, they settle down. You're not given that opportunity. So, and there's a reason you're starting and someone else isn't. That's kind of the way I feel about it. So that, that's kind of the reason that to me the scores have been so bad. But I think you're looking at two, two, maybe three really good games coming. I hope you're right, man. Do you think this thing's going three? I mean, if you watch these two teams, it's kind of, if it's not, I'm not going to be shocked if, um, I don't know if you saw the ninth inning of the Arkansas Ole Miss game two days ago. Oh, I did. It was, it that, comes, was that was the best okay, moment so far of the College like World that. Series. I mean, that was when they loaded the bases and there's no outs. So I'm like, I was in. I was like, all right, finally, yeah, sign me up. But um, I hope you're right, man. That'd be great. Give me the drama. Give me all you got. I love it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Brad, while I got you, I wanted your thoughts on, um, you know, a little bit of UL news. Uh, one. Bo Bonds, uh, Tommy John surgery. I realize some of the stuff we're talking about has happened kind of in the last week, maybe not so yesterday. But uh, Bo Bonds, let's start with him, the Tommy John surgery, Bo Bonds. Uh, you've seen pitchers deal with this before. You've seen pitchers come back from a whole year off. Uh, what do you think is in Bo Bonds' future? Well, it's really going to be up to Bo Bonds. Um, came across his dad. He came and talked to me on the field after the uh, conference championship told me the story. Basically, we're 50 miles from Gainesville, 50 miles from Tallahassee. We had some opportunities. He said, but this is the best place Bo could have been because of, you know, this. What's going on? There's nothing like this. Um, Personally, if Bo, I'm saying this because, you know, things change. If that kid stays here, goes through rehab, stays in the program, goes to class every day, he's young. He's, he's only technically he was only a sophomore. He'd get a medical redshirt. You don't need it, but he'd still be coming into his fifth year when he comes back healthy. And the thing is, he comes back healthy. He's got the fall. Any setbacks, there's a cushion. So does it hurt not to have somebody for 2023? Yes. Bonds add, started adding the changeup in the postseason, and if Bonds added the changeup, he's a frontline Friday night guy. And so I think that's what you're coming back looking at um, now. What you're looking at is you need arms for the Cajuns. So for Bo, for Bo the future's still bright. I still think there's a tremendous chance for him. But you need arms, and you need a lot of them. And we got some coming. But, you know, uh, Chipper Menard's in the portal. 
Bobby Lede's in the portal, uh, Drew Shiplett's in the portal, and some freshmen. But the thing is about for the Cajuns, the freshmen, and this is where portal's so different from the past, Scott, the freshmen are JUCO guys. You know, they're going to go to JUCO. But why not put your name in the portal? What, you know, so you get a kid um, that's from Houston, like Bryce Callaway, and he signs, he's like, okay, I'm going to go to Howard or I'm going to go to San Jack. Why not put your name in the portal? You don't know if Houston or TCU or somebody doesn't come calling for you, right? So that's the thing to remember about the portal. Um, like you lost Shiflet, but Shiflet didn't pitch for the last six weeks with some, uh, some off-the-field stuff, and he graduated. So he's probably going to end up at a small school in northeast Texas, closer to home, in an environment that's suited for him. You know, so, and then you lost all your starting pitchers. You know, you've got to find pitching. Um, shoot, in fact, in, uh, see, Thursday the 16th, I'm in the airport, I'm going up the escalator, and I hear somebody yell at me. I turn around and look, it's Coach Tibb. I go back down, talk that's to him. I'm like, man, what, what you doing? Yeah, he's like, Seth said, I'm heading to the Cape. Got to go find an arm. You know, uh, and I said, really? He's like, yeah, Bo had his surgery t- this morning. So he said, so when I land, the surgery should be over, and we'll find out how everything went. But, you know, they're going to go recruiting. Um, look, the portal's a big deal. I, we didn't dig too deep into it. You picked up two guys out the portal. One of them tore his labrum. It was already torn. He got here, but it got worse. He left school. He's back in Houston. I don't know if he's going to school or not. The other was Drew Shiflett. None of those guys worked out. I don't know how much Deg, Matt Deggs is into the portal. Um, we're seeing guys everywhere. And, Scott, this is the thing. The, there's no telling with the portal because we're seeing guys at a first-team all-conference at the Pac-12 and the Big 12 changing schools. A&M had three of them. So there's no telling what will happen, but Cajun's got to find arms. Offensively, dude, you're bringing back. Unless the draft – you only look at the draft. You should lose T.R., um, maybe Max, don't know, but and doubtfully, but possible Julian. Otherwise, you're bringing everybody else back, and you lose Kimple. So you're going to be old, very old. I mean, Rocco's first team all region. You know, we, we you got you, you got your bell cow. Why did you why you know, did you say doubt? Why did you say doubtfully, Julian? Because I've watched, and you know, so much of this stuff is becoming. Scott, it's all about offensive numbers. I don't. The thing Julian does as good as anybody in America is throw guys out. That doesn't even get you on a watch list for the Johnny Bench Award, you know, or the Buster Posey Award. That's what's screwed up. That's just kind of how it's gone. Um, I'm betting they want to see Julian come back for another year. Or, and the reason I say bet, Julian's not having any problems in college. He's a good student. He enjoys it. His family likes it. He doesn't need the money. And he's got two years, so he's got the leverage. Um, I'll give you Greg Dykeman. Greg Dykeman should have come back to LSU to lengthen out his pro career to be more prepared, but he's a draft-eligible sophomore because of an injury. Therefore, he had a ton of leverage. Dykeman got like $1.7 million out of LSU, and he never should have got that much money at that time, but he had so much leverage. So with Julian, they're gonna, he's going to make him come up with some big money to me. He's going to have a good six-figure number, or he can come back and still have leverage because he could have a third year. You know, so I'm hoping he comes back, but if he gets the right dollar amount, he's gone. But worst-case scenario, you lose four offensive players. They're all good players. But 
to say that you, when was the last time you had a, a nucleus of Hood, of uh, the Barge, of Rockaport, that, uh, you know, that, that type of nucleus coming back. So you, you've got some talent coming back. I hope you don't lose them. But a guy like Julian could make the difference between being a top 50 team and a top 30 team, you know? ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Brad Topham, our guest. Brad, want to shift gears for a moment. And by the way, I, I, I agree with you. you got to go find some arms. I mean, that's the biggest key this offseason without question. Yep. Um, I've been I've been getting it from um, Astros fans a little bit this week uh, in their series with the Mets. But uh, since the last time we talked... You know, the Cleveland Guardians are hot. The Mets and Yankees still have, you know, uh, the best records in each league. What What is right now, give me a team that's that's trending upward, and you're welcome to say your team if you want, and a team in MLB welcome. that is trending downward. Whoa, 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 whoa. What you mean, welcome? I'm welcome to say my team? They got the best record in baseball in June. They cut the, the – you realize the lead – the Mets had was 11 and a half games, and now it's four. Four. Four, four, four is a, a, a hefty lead. Welcome you know. to bring on my Braves. Just, the Braves I, are rolling. You're scared, and you know it. It's, you, you see, I figured you would go somewhere ridiculous like this, and that's why, you know. I yes, just, that's I, ridiculous. I had, to, I, had to, I had to basically I had to set it up the correct mm-hmm. way, which is get ready for, you know, oh, the Braves are going to compete with the Mets for best in the NL East, and you can't. They're the best, and you you know, come on. Relax. I gave you credit earlier. I'll tell you what this year has done for you. I will tell you what this year has done for you. The way this year is going, you are going to get the best young player in baseball in two years. You are going to get Juan Soto. The way this year is going, you are going to get Juan Soto. Everybody figures he has a future in New York with one team or the other. No, that's my point. That's why you're going to get him. Because... Aaron Judge bet on himself, and good God Almighty, Aaron Judge betting on himself just turned that $230 million offer into put a three in front of it. Just the new Steinbrenner model will not go so far overboard, and you've already got $300 million in Garrett Cole. You're going to have to put $300 million in Aaron Judge. And let me tell you something. If the Yankees keep going, if everything keeps going the way it is and the Yankees are in the World Series – they have to resign Judge. There'll be a mutiny by their fan base if they don't. And when they do that, there's no way they're going to tie up $900 million in three players. Old George would have done it. How won't. And I don't think anybody, maybe Boston, maybe the Dodgers might be in a position, but I doubt it, to bid for him. And I think the way this is going, you're going to get Soto. Soto turned down $300 million. That's how much he's worth. And there's one dude with a checkbook that says, I don't care. So that's the silver lining for your season. Uh, that, that's the only silver lining? Just that? Is that are you, are you, well, you get a wild card. Expect, expect to, I mean, you make the playoffs. What? Uh, that's a positive. You make the playoffs. Let's, let's, uh, I've, I've got this thing watermarked here June 24th, just so, just so we can remember it. Yeah. Once we get uh, you know into... The postseason. Um, all right. Uh, most disappointing team in baseball over the last couple weeks. I mean, it's easy to point to teams that suck, but 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 who's just who in your mind is really? I don't know. They're 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 just heading in the wrong direction and fast. Well, 
I'll give you two things. One, the most disappointed fan base right now is actually a team that's gone doing well, Philadelphia. The Phillies have been tearing it up. You know, the whole time the Braves are on a winning streak, the Phillies are like two games behind them. The Phillies have cut – they were down by 15 games to the Mets. They're now only down by eight, and no one cares because the Mets and the Braves are so far out in front. Um, but disappointing for me, part of it's the injuries. The uh, Milwaukee, their pitching staff has had injuries. I thought Milwaukee would be a lot better than they are. They're a big disappointment. Um, by the way, also Boston got red hot the last few weeks. It's it's not even a joke anymore. You seriously could be looking at three playoff teams on the wild card side from the American League East. I mean, the American League East is so red hot. But no, the most disappointing team constantly is going to be the um, Angels. That that whole situation with the Angels is just. I don't know, man. You know, they signed Rendon, who's the best third baseman free agent you could have got, class guy, nothing bad about the guy. you got Shohei Otani. You've got, uh, you know, you've got all these guys, but you just can't figure out how to put it together. They took Thor for a year. They just can't, they can't find a way to put it together. So, for me, the Angels are just the most disappointing team in baseball. Uh, on a consistent basis, apparently. Uh, is, is, yeah. is Tony La Russa going to make it uh, through the season in Chicago? He's got some men. Oh, yeah, he is. Again, Reinsdorf said the biggest mistake he ever made in his life was firing La Russa a long time ago. Then he goes on to a Hall of Fame career. So should he fire him? Probably. You know, Buck Showalter is going to wear, wear himself out in New York, but not before he gets it done to a larger degree. La Russa is so old school, and you have so many Latin players with personality, and Tim Anderson, who's such a strong personality. I just, you know, I, I don't see them fighting hard with leadership through their coach, and I don't know. I feel like there's always something there. You know, Abreu's one of the classiest guys in baseball at first base. Anderson's got the personality. You got all the Latin American players on there, and they have injuries. But I just don't feel like is the right guy to kind of clean that up and get them going. It's not lack of baseball knowledge. I think LaRusso would do a better job with your Mets because of the type of players you have. But LaRusso's, man, seriously, he's your grandma with some dollies on the table. That dude's just not going to get the most out of that team. I, I think he's the wrong coach, wrong manager for that team. And I think they need somebody a little different. Should, they should have hired Ron Washington from the Braves. That would have been a tremendous hire. But, no, I, I don't think he gets fired. But I think there's a legitimate chance they miss the playoffs, a very legitimate chance they miss the playoffs. It's like a fire and ice combination. It just doesn't seem like it works. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it fits. Know your it, personnel. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's not – it's not that, he, and I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't think he's the right fit for that group. Just like Brian Snicker was the perfect fit for the Braves, because Brian Snicker is a straight, quiet, steady force. You never hear him erupt. You never hear him blast anybody. And then you look up one day, and all of a sudden you got Nate. It's like he never does it in public. He never blows up in the dugout. He never talks about it. You just look up, and somebody's on the bench. They're batting eighth. All right, they get called. They get sent down. Somebody else gets called up. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, he's just a real, he's a professional, he's calm, he's cut and dry, and it fits the personality of a lot of his players. You know, Acuna has a little bit of a leash. He just has to keep trying to grow up. But everybody else kind of fits his personality. And I think, I thought, again, that's why I said Buck Showalter was the best hire the Mets could have made. They needed that type of guy, you know, with the stern, with the discipline. 
to come in. He's the Tom Thibodeau. And I just think Garus is the wrong guy for that team. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Brad Topham, been our guest here in the 8 o'clock hour, talking a little college baseball and Major League Baseball and uh, about how he and ice do not get along. And so uh, when it comes to the NHL, Brad uh, just thinks about falling on the ice. That's all. That's all I think about is getting my butt hurt. Like literally having my butt hurt. It must it must be rough to be Canada where they just love their hockey so much, but they haven't had a Stanley Cup champion in a long, long time. I mean, that, that's that's got to be oh, eating kinda, away at those guys. Uh, that probably eats away at them about as much as if you saw Michigan and Ohio State winning national championships in baseball every year to, to us in the South. Ooh. It would just kill them because you got teams, you got teams in America nobody even knows they exist, and the whole country's hanging on a pin. You know, and over here you can't even get them on TV. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Brad. Let's talk soon, my friend. Enjoy your weekend. All right, brother. Later. Good stuff from Brad Topham. Appreciate him coming on. Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame induction happening this weekend. The late, great Tony Robichaux going in, among others. And um, some new details in uh, some sad stories from this week, some tragic stories. Jalen Ferguson and Tony Saragusa passing away earlier this week. We've learned a little bit more about their deaths. The uh, 26-year-old linebacker from Louisiana went to Louisiana Tech. Jalen Ferguson, uh, some reports out of the Baltimore banner about how he passed away. We'll give you the details on that. It's all coming your way here on The Great Scott Show on a Friday. CSPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Life, you have the best ticket in sports. It was a uh, difficult day in the world of sports. Wednesday, especially for the Baltimore Ravens. Tony Saragusa, the goose, passed away at the age of 55. Uh, TMZ Sports is reporting that um, police responded to a uh, call at his home that CPR was in progress, but he was pronounced uh, deceased after officers and ENS arrived. While the cause of his death hasn't been revealed yet, um, an autopsy is pending. There was some uh, notes in there about the CPR that wasn't previously known. You know, Goose, so darn funny, man. Gosh, crazy personality and wasn't a stat stuffer. But you ask Ray Lewis. You ask guys on that 2000 Baltimore Ravens team who many feel like the best defense in NFL history, 2000 Ravens, 85 Bears, uh, they, they'll all tell you Goose was a vital, vital part of that. You think of what Baltimore did. You had Sarah Goose. Then you had, remember Sam Adams? He was huge. Then you had Elodie Ngata. I mean, it was, for years it was big guys up front that can take up multiple blocks and let the linebackers roam as free as possible. I mean, Saragusa was, uh, you know, when you win a Super Bowl, it's not like every single player on the team is up on the podium. It's not big enough. There's not. Goose was one of the guys up there. And then in the other news that was very sad, both, you know, in the sports world in Baltimore and here in Louisiana, was the death of Jalen Ferguson. Extremely sad. Extremely sad. From Zachary, Louisiana. Went to to West Feliciana and, you know, was a a Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year. Played at Louisiana Tech for four seasons. Um, And and was, was doing his thing in the NFL. Drafted by the Ravens in the third round in 2019 and Two daughters, a son, fiance, and uh, passed away on Wednesday. And um, there is a report out from uh, the Baltimore Banner citing a source with knowledge of the Baltimore police's investigation uh, as they continue it. And uh, the source said that an accidental overdose is suspected based on some items found at the scene. Uh, The Baltimore Police Department told TMZ Sports investigators are not ruling out the possibility of an overdose. Uh, They refer to the incident as a a questionable death. And it's just 26, man. 26 years old. You know, we spent time early this week and last week talking about the uh, sad and unfortunate passing of Brad McGuire. You know, ER doctor, uh, married, four-year-old son, just terrible single vehicle accident, lost his life. 
Now, I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I don't know if it's just because these kind of stories have just been in the news, which feels like a lot lately, but hug your loved ones, man. Live life while you're here. Tony Robichaux did quite a bit in his time on earth. And this weekend he'll be posthumously inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, his family, Justin, Austin, Ashley, his wife Colleen, and they'll be up there in a Natchitoches. You know, for a guy that was here when he was uh, an just unwavering principle of how to live life and the values of life. And, you know, there was no question that Coach Rowe was going to be in the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame someday. But a few years ago, we figured he would go in one day and give the speech himself. But tomorrow's not promised, so. Live your life. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. We'll revisit some things we kicked off the show with. Dyson Daniels, selected by the New Orleans Pelicans, eighth overall. His strengths, his weaknesses. We're breaking them down next on this Friday edition of the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Hey, this is Rich Eisen. You can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on The Rich Eisen Show. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Hang on, no, please. <laughs> Move me. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Thanks to uh, Gus and Brad coming on. All of you for listening. I'll be on next week and then uh, the day after the 4th of July, and then I'll be taking some time off. Lynn Burton will be out next week on vacation. He'll return on the 6th. First day I'm out. Programming notes for you. Dyson Daniels, 19 years old, six foot seven. Out of Australia, played in the G League last year. Not a stat stuffer, the kind of player that is going to help you win on defense. High, high, high-level defense. Good passer. Just high IQ, high basketball IQ. Seems like a good fit for a team that I think is going to have more minutes open up for a guard who can defend because I think Devontae Graham will be on the move. 
but a guy that needs to work on his three-point shot and work on it a lot. Fred Vinson, man, they, 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 they put him to work in New Orleans as a shooting coach. Now, he helped guys like Lonzo Ball improve their three-point shot a ton. And it's not like the Pelicans are in a rush to make Dyson Daniels a, a member of the rotation day one. Um, you know, Trajan Langdon, the GM of New Orleans, said they don't expect Daniels to really hit his stride physically and mentally until the second portion, the second half of the season, which is the right approach and makes sense. You know, but defense is the strength of the game. Think of timely cuts, aggressive attacks to the basket in transition. That's maybe what he can do offensively. How effective will he be off the ball? Eh. We'll find out. He made only 25.5% of his threes in the G League last year. But they feel like Fred Vinson can focus. He helped Herb Jones improve his three-point shot. He helped Lonzo Ball improve his three-point shot. He helped Brandon Ingram improve his three-point shot. It's got to be a more consistent part of his game if he wants to be a, a really good role player. If not, then he's going to be a guy that's in your rotation and gets called in for great defense, but is an offensive liability. But the defense, see, tenacity is something that's hard to teach. And the kid's got a lot of tenacity. I like that. I like that. I don't think you're going to see this guy drop 20 in a game. He's not going to be a stat stuffer. But you need somebody that's going to be part of a rotation on a rookie deal for the next four years. And that's something I think Dyson Daniels can be. Especially if he just improves his outside shot a little. If he doesn't, he can still be part of it. But there's going to be limits based on matchups. I'll talk to you guys Monday. We'll probably have a new Stanley Cup champion. We might have a new College World Series champion. We're going to do some on-five drafts next week. It's going to be fun. We're going to open up the show a little bit more with some fun topics and uh, looking at a number of big guests scheduled to come on. In the meantime, the Dan Patrick Show is next. Have a great weekend. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports.